working on there, Elliot? I'm trying to. Don't worry about it. This is, mm. this is just my pens and pencils. Resorting your desk. I was. I was just listening. Are we keeping you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dollar Coltman, joined by Elliot Tanti and Braden Dollar Coltman. We are back for another great episode. We have a couple. of Really interesting conversations we're going to have this week. Um, some tricky topics, some some fun topics. Obviously, we got to the to see who who made it out of the the the, the semifinals. We couldn't call them conference finals uh, into the Stanley Cup finals. So we'll talk about that in the third topic. Before that, we got a couple uh, more um, tricky conversations to have, which I which I always like and always enjoy because I think that um, that's why the show is here. We wanted to make sure that we had a podcast dedicated to to difficult things, but. All things considered, I know it's very hot through most of Western Canada. It's sweaty where we are. Uh, how you doing, Elliot? Are you staying cool? Oh, trying my very best. Yes, trying my very best. It is very hot and only going to get hotter. So eh, this is what it is. Yeah, hydrate, stay stay cool, get the fans on, right? Looks like you're not, you got a nice drink there, though. Uh, this is just water. Oh, it's Sunday night. It's, it's nice. You got to hydrate. Like That's I said, right. hydration is key. All right. All right, before we get to that, um, we do need to just take a brief moment to once again, and unfortunately it's once again, um, acknowledge more unfortunate and terrible news uh, in the country of Canada as we approach Canada Day and obviously a very different Canada Day than we are used to because this country is once again in mourning and more specifically, I think this country is at a reckoning, recognizing, um, as we talked about a few episodes ago, uh, the continued evidence of a cultural genocide that occurred in this country, um, 751 unmarked graves discovered at a residential school site in Saskatchewan. This obviously follows the 215 um, bodies of children discovered in Kamloops at a residential school. This is, as I you know, said the last time we, we had one of these um, conversations it's just the tip of a very very terrible terrible iceberg and i think we are at the beginning of what is going to be a very difficult period of time in this country as we continue to grapple with our past and recognize the failures um, that have occurred in the story of canada the people that have been hurt the families and the lives that were hurt and and irreplaceably damaged uh, and as we continue to move forward, especially as three white men, um, recognizing our own privilege and recognizing our own role in the systemic issues that exist around us, um, that we all have a duty to continue to try to be better and more importantly, to listen and learn uh, from those who are more directly affected by these tragedies. Um, because for, for too long, we have not listened enough. So we, we, we wanted to again acknowledge that as we have previously on this show. Um, I am afraid this is going to become a routine thing. And I don't want that to be the case because it's horrible that it has to be. But unfortunately, that's, that's the reality we live in. So we wanted to again make sure we took a moment for that. As a, as a bigger um, part of the conversation, we acknowledged that we, we had failed to ensure that we were we were doing everything we were capable of of again continuing to acknowledge our own privilege and acknowledge the people um in these communities that 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 are, are affected by these tragedies and more importantly the bigger conversations about colonization and about reconciliation so as 
a network, we wanted to um, take a moment to uh, acknowledge where we work and, and the land that we get to create on. Uh, this will be something that we'll play at the end of every episode moving forward on every show on this network. Um, but we wanted to, in this episode, uh, lead with it because, again, it was an opportunity for us to ensure that um, that it was heard. So uh, this will be the land acknowledgement for the Ordinary Podcasting Network moving forward. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many Indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space. Okay, this is topic one. And just off the top, a quick warning. There are references in this conversation to sexual assault. All right. Uh, much of this conversation in topic one will reference reporting by TSN's Rick Westhead. So I just want to acknowledge that also off the top. Um, I've I've cited a few different um, bits of his reporting. He's the reporter who's really sort of unlocked this story. Um, for those unaware of what has sort of transpired, an unidentified former Blackhawks player has alleged in a lawsuit filed against the team that then assistant coach Bradley Aldrich sexually assaulted him in 2010 during the playoff run, a playoff run which the Chicago Blackhawks would um, finish by winning the Stanley Cup, uh, and that the team did nothing after they had been informed um, to reprimand that employee. So that's what the lawsuit uh, by this unidentified former Blackhawks player alleges. Paul Vincent, who was at the time a skills coach, told management that he had been informed by that player um, that uh, this sexual assault had occurred. Um, Paul Vincent has reported that he spoke with members of the front office, including a meeting uh, which included, and I quote, all the brass, those are his words. Uh, they met during the game, uh, during the time surrounding game one of the conference finals versus San Jose, and they met in a hotel in San Jose. So that's just important context. The management team at the time included President John McDonough, General Manager Stan Bowman, uh, Vice President of Hockey Operations Al uh, McIsaac, and team psychologist James Gary. Paul Vincent said that he had asked the team following uh, the sharing of this information to contact police, and they refused. Obviously, many questions remain unanswered concerning this. Uh, it's important to also recognize that because of other reporting, Mark Bergevin, who is now the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, but was the head of player personnel at the time for the Chicago Blackhawks, has reportedly stated following questioning about this, that he was unaware of these accusations until this reporting and has never was never aware that this meeting ever occurred and certainly was not involved with it. The other person that I think is an important part of this story is assistant general manager, 
the Chicago Blackhawks at the time, who is now the president of hockey operations for the Winnipeg Jets. That's Kevin Sheveldayoff. So many high-level executives now in many different roles across the NHL tied into this story. It should also be stated that Brad Aldrich was let go by the Blackhawks, not because of this situation, but he did receive a recommendation, apparently, from the organization for his next job in 2010, which was coaching at a college before he eventually moved on to coaching a AAA team, a Bantam team in the state of Michigan. And during his time there, he was convicted of abusing a 17-year-old player on that team. The NHL says that they are currently not pursuing any investigation, and uh, and that's sort of where we stand. So, what? Where are we? Well, let's leave it. Let me let me lead with this, Elliot. Does any of this surprise you? And number two, um, what are your thoughts uh, on this situation in the NHL and more specifically Chicago? Oh, I, I, you know, this does surprise me. This is this is pretty serious. This is a pretty serious allegation, and um, and obviously. Uh, there's a lawsuit that's going on here and an ongoing legal process, um, which I find sort of bewildering. I, I mean, I guess, I guess there's something to be said around, um, uh, you know, we, we've been really critical of hockey culture for a long time on this show, uh, basically since the show started. And so maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Maybe, um, but this does, the, 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 it seems very, like they're very clearly a process was begun and then immediately stopped by an NHL team. And that is a serious problem. That's a serious problem in any workplace. Um, and uh, when you're talking about uh, sexual violence or any violence at all uh, for an organization to step in uh, is completely inappropriate. You know, I, I think early days, um, uh, there's been lots of talk around how the NHL seems to be avoiding this. I think the NHL probably knew that there was stuff going on for a while. I don't want to speak too harshly or too quickly because I know Gary Bettman is committed to a press conference uh, uh, tomorrow. Um, and, and this has the makings of overshadowing their, their NHL finals. So, so you know, he's going to step up and, and, and address some of these conversations. Uh, the allegations that there was a cover-up in a, a professional hockey team of, of – of uh, serious misbehavior by a coach, uh, an individual who later on went to actually be criminally charged um, is very serious. And it is my hope and in my expectation as a fan of the game uh, that the NHL begin a very serious inquiry process, uh, which leads with the intention of uh, finding out what happened here and that has the power to set major changes in terms of policies and the way in which uh, teams operate in these spaces, particularly on allegations of harassment of any form. The last thing I would say is growing up as a kid playing hockey, uh, you know, Jordan, I, I know you can speak to this as well too. You know, I wonder if we don't need a more robust conversation about uh, criminal records check or children and child intervention checks uh, for people that have access to kids in sports, uh, particularly in hockey, because we've seen other similar stories um, starting to occur in Major Junior, for example. Uh, Theo Fleury's story's been, um, you know, heavily, he's been very open and honest about his experience as well, too. I wonder if there isn't, uh, you know, Blackhawks aside, uh, a need for a much larger conversation around uh, how we're vetting people that, has access, that have access to our, uh, our kids playing sport. Uh, those are my initial thoughts. Yeah. yeah, I'm totally with you, Elliot, that as a fan um, of the game of hockey and of all sports, I have full expectations that the league takes this seriously and takes these 
um, allegations and accusations seriously. The fact that, um, you know, Mark Bergevin, for example, was asked if he was, you know, what, what took place and what happened and, and that all that was kind of stated was, well, I didn't know, or I didn't hear and nothing about the fact that there was, you know, no, uh, condemning the actions or no, you know, uh, it, it just seemed like it was passing the buck. And that's, that, that's part of the problem as well. And so I, I, um, it, I'm, I'm sad and I'm disappointed again that this is happening, but, uh, unlike Elliot, I am not surprised because there have been situations specifically in Chicago with a player that plays still for the Chicago Blackhawks who has been in a situation like this and nothing happened and he's still playing to this day. So it, it's, it's, it's hella frustrating. And I, and I, and I have full expectation that they learn from those, you know, those things that have happened, uh, you know, like you said too, Theo Furler's story has been widely um, uh, explained that 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 this goes on, um, and and it can't. It absolutely cannot exist in in the game and, and and beyond the game. It can't exist. This this kind of thing cannot exist, and it cannot be just swept under the rug. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Braden. It doesn't surprise me. I'm frustrated that we're a decade later. That frustrates me. That makes me angry, frankly, that not only as a fan of the sport, but just, I mean, just these organizations for so many years have been given so much leeway in terms of how they conduct themselves internally, how the league has completely gotten out of the way in many of these quote unquote internal affairs issues. But this is beyond that. Every single one of the people who is a accused of being in that meeting as a duty to report in in the law they have a duty to report that they were informed of a crime and the the shittiest part about it is that this paul vincent coach who went through the correct channels to protect this individual who who shared his his experience with them he went through the right channels he went to the people he was supposed to go to 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 get the support for that individual and the, and That's to funny. pursue a criminal in, uh, investigation, and it didn't happen. And he was never given a reason why. He was eventually let go by the organization. I think though, it, it it continues to go back to the systemic rape, rape culture that surrounds much of professional sport. We're more used to seeing it when it comes to off field or like out of the organization, like Braden mentioned a player and and in a domestic violence situation or a player in a, in a criminal uh, situation outside of the locker room. Let's say we see more often these crimes taking place in locker rooms of in younger ranks of sports, often because, you know, there's a much greater power imbalance, but obviously it doesn't matter where it happens. The crime occurring is, is, is wrong. And therefore the organization failed, not only this player, but everyone else in that organization, because now they're all attached to, to their failure and incompetency clearly, or their criminal negligence. Uh, and they're all attached to that. This will overshadow Gary Bettman's conversation it probably will overshadow much of the finals for the playoffs story-wise because now it's finally coming forward what also bothers me about this is the first piece by rick westhead for tsn came out almost a month ago mm. and it took three or four more pieces of reporting okay. for him for this to really get picked up by the mainstream when the fact that this is a huge issue. a huge uh issue for the it should be a huge issue for the nhl i'll say just lastly you know the nhl came down very hard on the phoenix 
of the Arizona Coyotes, pardon me, the Arizona Coyotes following their tampering during, during, you know, the combine a few years ago, they lost draft picks. All What is like at the very least, what is the NHL's response for the Chicago Blackhawks here as an organization? Now, sure. Many of the people who are being accused in this lawsuit do not currently work for that organization, but that's irrelevant. And, and many of them still work in the NHL. That should be a red flag too, that none of these people are The players, like where, where's your due diligence to support these players and keep them safe. If if a player is saying this happened to me, and you say, okay, well, we don't really know, or, or it doesn't really matter. Then what you're or saying this would the, be bad for us as an organization. Yeah, or the fans might not like oh. this. Like, <laughs> we're in the middle of trying to build a dynasty. I mean, this is why I guess I'm surprised you guys aren't surprised. Like, I, I mean, what's being alleged here is 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 is, is very is a significant, a multi level, yeah. multi like uh, multi layered cover up by a, an NHL organization. I mean, this is a, this is this is massive. I don't know that it's going to overshadow the NHL finals because the NHL has a way of worming their way out of these things. But uh, this is, but this is, this is a significant, if what is being alleged is actually true. um, And the NHL, by the way, has a duty to find out. um, This is a significant, significant um, uh, problem. And, and, and one that needs to be, uh, brought to light. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, right it's reminiscent of Penn state. It's reminiscent of all these different situations yeah. where like organizations protected the brand protected the, the, you know, uh, not the shield, but the, you know, you know what I mean? They, they protected the, the team identity before they protected the individuals involved and to their detriment. I mean, it's also interesting to start to see other players now coming forward and saying, this was not a secret. Like there, there are members of the staff, former members of the Chicago staff who've come out and basically said, like, this was we an open this. secret. We knew this guy was a predator. He apparently was grooming uh, interns and things and and taking intern, interns in the video department home to his apartment uh. and things. And that they, they were aware that this was going on, but you have a culture within that room. And again, I would argue beyond that in, the NHL in general, where there was such a fear of retribution from many of these people that they said nothing or chose not to, to, to say anything, or when they did, they knew that it wasn't going to make a difference. Brent Sopel, who's on that Stanley Cup winning team, has come out recently on Twitter and basically said every single one of these people who was in that meeting should go to jail. Like this was clearly this is huge. And Elliot, you're absolutely right. This is this could be the biggest scandal in in terms of this kind of you know, thing for the NHL in a very long time. I can't think of another one like this for the NHL. But the truth is, again, it's freaking 2021. This happened yeah, in 2010. Yeah. What You're the hell are we talking brand. about Your here? Your brand should be. And the there's no way. I'm of- sorry, but if the NHL, if 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 Gary Bettman and and Daly and all of the other head executives in the NHL, if this is the first time they have heard of it, then they too are completely culpable of either having their heads in in their asses and completely being unaware of what is going on around them, or they are completely out of touch with what is going on in their league. Because if this many people in the organization were, were, it is impossible for this to have been kept completely quiet without some intention behind it. I guess we'll leave it there. Spring in full bloom, it's gardening season. For 18 years, Zocalo has been providing Edmonton with plants, gifts, and flowers. This local flower boutique is located right in the heart of Edmonton's Little Italy. With a wide array of flowers, plants, and gift options, they provide delivery and curbside pickup. Check out Zocalo online at zocalo.ca or call them at 780-428-0754. All right, here's topic two. Um, 
this one's a bit of a like a a faux controversy i would argue it's one of those sort of things that we've seen more and more often on social media we had a great conversation about like social media with with ray recently when we had him on for the first time we were talking about social media and sports and just how like i think the power dynamic in terms of where conversation goes has really changed in the last decade because of twitter and all of those things. i mean it's it's in every in you know every uh form of entertainment or, or or pop culture that the the power dynamics change both because the athletes and the entertainers have a much more direct line to their fans but equally so in the opposite direction um and this is just a kind of a weird one but i wanted to just dig into it because we've talked a lot on the show about gender equality or inequality i should say in sports um Obviously, the Euro's going on, um, one of the biggest uh, football soccer tournaments in the world, uh, huge ratings, lots of eyeballs. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo playing for Portugal uh, scored, a, scored the, a record-breaking goal this tournament, b- making him the all-time male scorer for international goals in soccer history. And ESPN posted that he was the, now the uh, top goal-scoring player Uh, in international history. That's what the tweet was. A lot of people, especially in Canada, took offense to this tweet by ESPN and responded by pointing out he is not the all-time top scoring soccer player uh, of all time. That's Christine Sinclair. Uh, The piece missing here was that there is a gender difference. We don't think necessarily of the women athletes uh, in the world as being on the same plane as the male athletes, often because they have been shunted to the side ratings wise and all of those things. And that's, I mean, that that's part of the systemic issue we continue to unpack, but I, it was interesting to see how much and how quickly this debate exploded on ESPN that they had simply, you know, either misspoke or completely missed the point of being an American news organization. Um, but I did think it was interesting to point out. It's true. I mean, Ronaldo has scored 109 goals in, in international play and Christine Sinclair has scored 186. So obviously uh, she is the all-time goal-scoring leader for international goals in soccer. That's not a debatable thing. No. The question here is, uh, what were your thoughts or what are your thoughts about the continued inequality and in how we continue to see, especially at this kind of sport, um, male and, and fe- pardon me, male and female athletes sort of treated differently by the mainstream sports media. Elliot, any thoughts on this? Well, this just reminds me of another, you know, similar situation, which, you know, Serena Williams and being, you know, the greatest tennis player of all time. Right. You know, that's, that, that's, that's, uh, that's, that, that's a similar thing and a similar mistake that's been made. Um, you know, I'll take a little bit of a different take because, you know, I, I think we're all in alignment here. Uh, this is, you know, some, maybe it's somewhat a problem with ESPN, some of the way that we look at uh, sports in general. Um, but this issue is really magnified in soccer. I would argue. Um, and I would say, you know, just having family, European family um, and some of the really you know, awful conversations I've experienced in that space, but also just when you talk about particularly soccer, women's soccer is really unfairly maligned. And, and I would say, uh, you know, next to eat like something like hockey or uh, track and field or something like that, uh, disproportionately so that women are uh, under um, valued in the space. Um, and, and I think that this is uh, another example uh, of just that in the sense that, uh, you know, Christine Sinclair, who's, who's <laughs> probably the greatest 
athlete of our of our lifetime as greatest one of the greatest Canadian athletes of our lifetime, at least in the last decade uh, that we that I've had the pleasure of, of watching, uh, was overlooked in this space. But yeah, no, I, I I would say that this is disproportionately an issue in soccer. Uh, that's my experience as someone who follows the Euros, who follows soccer, uh, who's a partner who's deeply passionate about, about soccer. Um, you, you know, women are under. Um, uh, mentioned across sports, but I think disproportionately so in soccer. And this is just another example of that. Yeah. Uh, the, it's like this was it? So it was a tweet or a post that stated that, that Ronaldo, like, it seems like, yeah, it just seems like a misinformed <laughs> fact that was wrong. Like you did, they were just wrong. Uh, and maybe that you, like you're saying Elliot, there's more focus on Ronaldo, obviously, cause he's a, a world-class superstar, but Christine Sinclair is yes, the greatest soccer player of international play. And there's no one that comes. What was his number? One Oh nine. Well, she scored 186 goals in international play. And she's still going. Yeah. So it's, yep. it's crazy to me. I mean, like tangentially I'm, I've been, I've been following the vacant NBA head coaching positions. Four of them have been snatched up now. Chauncey Billups, Jason Kidd, Rick Carlisle. Uh, uh, there's another one I'm, I'm missing right now, but the top candidate has been Becky Hammond, the assistant coach for Greg Popovich in the San Antonio Spurs. And she still does not have a job. She's been the top head coaching candidate for the last three years. And she still remains without a head coaching position. So yeah, there is, there is still inequity and, and a sense that, um, that either she's not capable of it, which is just also wrong. <laughs> um, or there's something else going on there. And, and, um, it's... she's waiting for Greg to retire to take over that team, but, and that could be the case. And, yeah. and that would be a, a great transition, but, yeah. but, um, but why wait? Why wait? Yeah. I think Elliot hit the nail on the head earlier when he brought up Serena Williams, because we, I mean, we had, a, we did dedicate a topic once to talking about how we believed she was the goat uh, of tennis. And the argument again becomes, well, there's such, it's impossible to compare the men and the women and all of this stuff. And the, the, the simple fact is, do the, are the two sports, played under the same conditions and under the same rules for the most part yes are the conditions changed by the you know size or or strength of the athletes maybe i mean much more so in other sports where size and uh weight are more factors you know yes women's hockey and men's hockey are very different in how they're played because the men are much bigger sure. and the physicality is much different that's true but the the, the the objective of the game remains the same yeah, soccer skill is, is different in some in some ways but at the same time it's 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 you know a bunch of players chasing a ball kicking, kicking a ball, a ball. <laughs> and at the end of the day christine sinclair has done a better job <laughs> of that the same size. than anybody else yeah. um and i think it's also you know part of this conversation is also a bias that we've often pointed out we talk about it much more in Canada when it comes to the sort of Eastern sports bias, but there's also an American sports bias. When I ask an American, if I was to ask an American who has some level of understanding of, of women's soccer or international soccer, I said, who's the greatest women, woman soccer player of all time. They're probably going to say Abby Wambach because Christine Sinclair has been underserved internationally. when it comes to 
you know, what her reputation is, partly because she's Canadian and we don't always do a very good job of doing the rah, rah, you know, sort of patriotic propaganda about our athletes, unless it's Wayne Gretzky. But when the Olympics come around or those things, you get, they get the the, the platform that they really deserve as the elite athletes there. We just don't necessarily know how to promote them all the time. And that's the bigger piece of it. It's about creating space and opportunity for these athletes to continue to have, you know, their, their platforms grow and, 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 and be supported the way that Nike does in the United States or the way that some of these big organizations have recognized, you know, that some of their female athletes are, are as valuable or more valuable than even some of their counterparts in, in the male sports, because they can sell jerseys and they can sell athletic wear or whatever else. And, and Christine Sinclair, I think being a slightly understated and very polite Canadian sure. uh, has, has missed an opportunity perhaps to grow a profile that would get her that, but it's also I, a missed I opportunity. Say, I would say the missed opportunity here is in that allyship and that someone who is a superstar like Cristiano Ronaldo has an opportunity to say, no, I'm not. Yeah, but he would never say that first sure, off because he's an arrogant asshat. And he just lost today. Yes. <laughs> sure. But that is a missed opportunity. Of course it is. And I think you're absolutely right that we, and it goes back to the conversation we had about women's hockey in this country, the, the missed opportunities that the NHL has had so far. I mean, you look at the NBA, and that is the only example I can find of where the male athletes are propping up and supporting their counterparts in the WNBA on on a continuous basis. Yeah, you know, LeBron James is tweeting about Sue Bird, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're getting constant uh, profile building because but this is the NBA is there. But this is serves my point around, you know, in other spaces and other leagues, you know, their male um, colleagues build them up and yeah. you're starting to see that as a tradition that does not happen in soccer. No. And there is an unfair and, and women are unfairly maligned and, and uh, just undermined in the sport. And, and I do think I, you know, just to reiterate my point, like that's an example of why I think women's soccer is disproportionately impacted by sexism. Uh, and gender and gender inequality. And I'll, I'll I'll just tag with this, as you say, the sexism part of it, because I don't know if we've acknowledged that enough here, but I Googled Christine Sinclair today to make sure I have the correct number for her goals. Google prompted me with three things, Christine Sinclair, Team Canada, Christine Sinclair, Order of Canada, and the third one was Christine Sinclair, husband. Okay. People literally either Googling to find out, does she have a husband? Who gives a fuck? Yeah. But that's what we get. You, Braden just did it right the now, next sitting one, next to spouse, me. Spouse, family. More age. people are concerned about those things than they Come ever were. Like if you Googled, if you Google Ronaldo right now, I guarantee you they're not asking about his wife. Although, no, if they are, it's also a sexist will he ever thing. Ever play for for Portugal again? Wife, children, net worth, age, salary, Coca Cola, girlfriend. There you go. All right, we'll leave it there. Do you or someone you know own a small business? Are you looking to grow or to reach new customers? Hey, why not let us help? Hattrick is looking for unique brands, businesses, and products to advertise on our show. You can find out how we can help spread the word about your business by contacting us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All right, for topic three, it is the Stanley Cup playoffs. And before we get into the matchup between the... uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and Montreal Canadiens. We have uh, some things to chat about, namely around our predictions. I'm going to call this segment the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, And let's start with the ugly. All right. Uh, That would be uh, all of Jordan's selections. Uh, Not only did he pick (laughs) it wasn't close. He had Vegas in five games and Islanders in seven. Um, So I got the seven part right. I got the seven part right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I okay, sure. You got the seven <laughs> point right. You know, the, the point is to pick the winning team, though. Right? <laughs> You're close. You're one goal away. I was one goal away. I think it's pretty close. So that that that's what I'd classify as the ugly. The classify the bad as all of us in that uh, we all picked Stanley Cup winners. Uh, none of those teams are currently in the playoffs anymore. So, yep. Braden, of course, you had the Islanders to win the Stanley Cup. And Jordan and I both picked Vegas to win the Stanley Cup. That was that was pretty bad as a group. What I would say, though, moving to the good, is uh, Braden and I both um, selected one team correct, and we actually selected that team in the appropriate amount of games. So Whoa. Braden did pick Montreal in six. I sure did. And, and I did pick Tampa in seven. But Braden, I come out ahead because your your Fine. your Islanders your Islanders selection was. Islanders win in five games. Jordan Eberle, OT winner, <laughs> game five. It was so close. He was so close. They were close to getting to overtime in that game, weren't they? Or is that the eight nothing game? So, I will. I yeah, that was, yeah, that was the <laughs> game. Uh, so right. you know, we've 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 got to reset our predictions here and talk about this uh, this this Stanley Cup final, which features Tampa Bay and the Montreal Canadiens. And and Braden, given that. Uh, uh, you know, you pick correctly last round. I'll start with you. What are your What are your initial thoughts, and 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 do you have a prediction? Uh, well, for this, this I just want to I just want to clear my name here on my prediction with the Oilers, and that I was I am capable of predicting a team without jinxing them. So I just need that to be on the record until the next round, until until we find out what happens next. But I'm gonna um. Only because I, I I love the underdog story. I want this Montreal Canadiens team to win, and I want them to win in, in another six games. That's my Montreal in six. You want to talk a little bit about why you have that? Well, I think Shea Weber is very deserving. I I, uh, I predicted early on. In you don't our... win a Stanley Cup because you're deserving. No, I, I didn't say that. But when you have Carey Price behind you playing lights out, in Cujo fashion, as I think I never won a Stanley Cup, as I think I determined early in my predictions. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think Carey Price, I think uh, Shea Weber, Tyler Toffoli, this Cole Caulfield, who's just an unreal acquisition. Uh, well, he wasn't even an, well, he was just like he barely even played in the season. I just think that this team <laughs> is primed. They're they're ready to take on the uh, defending champs. All right, and, so uh, Braden has Montreal in six. <laughs> He's like, all right, enough with these Montreal Canadians. Yeah, you're just at this point, you're just listing the roster now. Okay, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jordan, you know the players. Good job. It's Justin Anderson, right? <laughs> yeah. Jordan, who do you have and why in this this upcoming Stanley Cup final? Well, I don't know how what good it does for anybody. I clearly don't know who's what I'm deserving. Doing. Well, who's des- they're both deserving. <laughs> I'm annoyed with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't like the Tampa Bay Lightning because they they cheated the salary cap by hiding Kucherov on IR That's all not year. Cheating? Yeah, it is. It's it's the no. they found a loophole and I don't like it. It's Gary Bettman's problem. It is Gary. Well, Gary Bettman doesn't know what's going on in the NHL. Um, Jordan, just pick a team so that we all know who to bet uh, the other the opposite on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to bet against Carey Price. I think no, you're right, Brady. You? I really think this, there's something, there's like a touch of destiny about yes. them. I, I think that this is going to be a very different team than than what Montreal has faced, even better than what Vegas is. Just they're just, they come at you in waves. Yeah. So 
Montreal in Eight. seven. <laughs> Montreal in if seven. If this if this went to seven games and Montreal won in the seventh game, that would be an outstanding story. So Jordan Jordan ever the storyteller uh, doesn't hey. fail on that front um, Jeff Petrie yeah, I can't yeah. believe I, I'm just gonna get the uh I, yeah he, no call no calls for overtime uh, I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning are a far better team than the <laughs> Canadians. I don't think that this is close you said um, that about Vegas I, think. I also said this about exactly these exact words about Vegas so I am going to take the Tampa Bay Lightning I also am one I enjoy taking teams that everyone hates uh, I've been known to cheer for a, a Patriots team or two so I am going to take the Tampa Bay Lightning and I am going to take them in a quick five game series to win back-to-back Stanley Cup, something that hasn't been done in a while. Uh, can I just say one more thing? No. I think you, like, Braden listed the roster for Montreal, but I think that that's also, like, what's really cool about this series is you do have two teams who have, like like, really bankable names on both teams like really cool storylines and so many good players obviously tampa you know the roster like the the guys are all there but patrick maroon could win three stanley cups in a row if they win right he won in st louis and then he won he'd won in tampa last year he could win another one with tampa that's pretty cool Corey perry coming back after losing last year when he played with dallas so there's a story there you have you know stall and perry and Shea Weber, all guys. Who now from, you're just naming old, the roster. No, I know, but they're all from a generation where, like, this is the kind of thing we always yeah. complain about with, like, the Oilers and yeah. a lot of these other teams where veteran leadership, guys who have been there, matters. Montreal well, is being, this might be their Montreal last is being time. led by a bunch of rookies, but they have those rookies being supported by guys who know what the hell to do when yeah. you're down by I, one. I totally agree. You know, it's yeah. so I, it's Bergeron, such a cool series. It, no, Bergeron, it's so funny. Like, at the end of the year, I'd love to have a conversation around Montreal and, uh, and Bergeron and everything, or Bergevin, sorry, uh, and everything that he has done with this team and the ups and downs, firing the coach this year, yeah, barely yeah. making it in fourth. And now, you know, his he seems to be one of those guys that's a bit of a Houdini. Every time he, uh, it seems like he's he's out. He manages to figure something out. I'll leave this one question with you guys. Obviously, Carey Price has been a major piece of Montreal's success up until this point. First opportunity to win the Stanley Cup for him. His first Stanley Cup final, Jordan. I think you mentioned that as well too. He is a he is a Hall of Fame goalie, regardless of the result of this series. Question mark. Yes, I think so. I think so. His international play, I think, winning is, is, is important. Though him, winning, yeah. you're absolutely yeah. right. Winning is important, and this would be a huge part of that uh, to ensure that he solidified his name. I guess, yeah. That's how much. How much does Carey Price have riding on terms of legacy in this series? Is my question. Cujo's in the so. in the. He's not. No. Could he be? Yeah, probably. He's never won. No, and and I think that is what hurts Cujo. Cujo has the num the highest number of of wins by a professional goalie and the highest number of losses by a professional goalie. That hurts him too. But he played a lot. Um, no, I think you're right. I think Carey Price is I think Carey Price is a winner, like a, a Hall of Famer anyway, because of his international record. Just as I do believe one day Ryan Smith will be a Hall of Famer, even though he didn't win a Stanley Cup. Um, just like Jerome McGinley is a Hall of Famer, didn't win a Stanley Cup. Uh, he'll he'll go in next year. But the other piece for me with that is it's not just Carey Price. The other guy on that team that is waiting on a Stanley cup to be there as a Shea Weber. Shea yeah, Weber with a Stanley yeah. cup is a hall of famer. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. This, that's what I mean. I think that there's a lot riding on for those, those guys. Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl too. Well, that'd be a second. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's a great All question. Right. That's awesome. Montreal in six, Braden, Montreal in seven, Jordan. I have Tampa Bay in five. Um, 
we're going to know pretty quick. About... We're never going to hear the end of it, though. No. If Montreal wins, we'll never hear the end And of that's it. okay until the Oilers beat them. Another good show. Thank you both for doing that. Uh, we will look forward to the Stanley Cup Finals, which start on Monday. Another good week of it. Who knows? It could be over real quick. We could be talking about the, a champion next week, uh, if not in a couple weeks. Um, until then, thank you both, and thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. That's Hattrick. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. Gary Bettman doesn't know what the hell's going on in his league. <laughs>